This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to Grief Relief. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Normally, my co-host and daughter, Heidi, is on, but she's uh, presenting at a a hospice conference uh, in the South, so she won't be able to join us today. But I've got a wonderful guest on. Charles, uh, I forgot to ask you how you say your last name. Is it Sidoti? Yes. Sidoti. Oh, I said it correctly. Thank you. You did. You said it right. (laughs) So Charles Sidoti is going to be on with us today, and he's a clinical trained board certified chaplain at Cleveland Clinic Health System. Charles is the author of two books, Living at God's Speed, Healing in God's Time, with a contributing author, Rabbi Akiva Feinstein. He's also done a book called Fortune Cookie Wisdom, A Contemplative Perspective. And I have his fabulous book, Living at God's Speed, Healing in God's Time. Charles, congratulations for this book. Thank you so much. It's a wonderful book. It has just got so many elements in it that, uh, you know, we couldn't even begin to cover all of the wonderful comments and all the wonderful ideas and things that you have going on. And it, and it takes a little, kind of a little different look uh, at things and, and uh, kind of busts us a little bit about some of the stuff that we do as grieving people. So I want to get started right away with this, Charles. Charles, you work at the Cleveland Clinic, which the Cleveland Clinic is just an amazing place, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's truly um, a cutting-edge um, health system. And I work at one of the satellite hospitals. It's called um, South Point Hospital. Awesome. That's great. I coordinate spiritual care there. And, and I know you talk about, um, in the book, uh, I was interested, because I've worked in a hospital setting before on a liaison team, and I was interested in the book where you talked about what an opportunity it is to work with people of different religions, professionals, and how it's broadened you. I love that that idea, because I think we can get closed down, and there's so much wisdom after you've had a loss from all sorts of people, isn't there? That's one of the things that I write about in my book. In fact, you'll notice I'm a Catholic chaplain, and the contributing author was a rabbi, which is, you spoke about um, uh, my book, Living at God's Speed, Healing in God's Time, and what a blessing it was to write this book with a rabbi, um, because we have so much to learn from other faith groups, from people who are um, outside of our own um, faith tradition, and we sometimes lose sight of that. And and sometimes we even lose sight of our own faith, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm just thinking when I worked in a hospital and worked with people who'd had a death, that one of the things that um, was difficult is people have sometimes lost touch with their God, and all of a sudden they've had a trauma, and they want to reconnect. Has that been your experience? Well, yes, and, and that's where sometimes you'll meet people who, and what I talk about in the book and in different presentations is the difference between religion and spirituality, okay? And sometimes you'll have people who, have say, haven't been to church, okay, um, for years and years and years, and then they're, they find themselves sick. And it's like, well, gee, can I, how can I reconnect with something that I've really walked away from many, many years ago? Okay, and really, spirituality um, does it is related to religion, 
okay? But but it's it it's deeper than that. Spirituality is is more connected with how we find hope, our need to feel connected, and um, religion. Sometimes people don't feel connected with that, and when they walk away from that, maybe many years ago, they they sometimes feel, well, is God still there for me, even though I haven't been to church in so many years? And the answer is yes, absolutely. So if I have had a death, a loss in my family, and I want to reconnect, do you have any ideas of, of how I can do that? I know on, in your book you say, uh, I like these questions, is there anything I can do to make myself enlightened? Uh, I think uh, maybe that's what I'm looking for, my connection with God. How do I get enlightened? And then you say, as little as you can to, uh, you can do to make the sun rise in the morning. So meaning I don't have to do a lot. Right. And then you say, question, then I say, then of what use are the spiritual exercises you prescribe? And I want to tell people that you do have the spiritual exercises that we'll be talking about. And you say to make sure you are not asleep when the sun begins to rise. I thought that was so sweet, because God does heal, doesn't God? Yes, that quote is is truly amazing, and that's where attentiveness, okay, to the presence of God. My second book, I get into contemplative prayer, okay, Which which is just a fancy way of saying, realizing that God isn't just sitting up in heaven someplace. God is a part of this world and a part of our lives, and, um... It's really just a fancy way of saying finding God in daily life. You know, um, one of the observations that I really like to make is um, when you asked for um, a topic as far as what we were going to talk about, one of the things that I came up with is um, the observation that everyone suffers. Everyone has loss, okay? And it's interesting to note that some people, and I'm sure you you can relate to this, some people are actually made better, meaning that they're more human, they're more connected, and more compassionate through their suffering, believe it or not. And then we, and then there's other people who are made bitter by it, who are who kind of close in on themselves and, and become soured on life. I always use the example, we've all met the little old man or woman who might be 90 years old, and they've had a really hard life, but yet they have this twinkle in their eye, and you enjoy being around them, they're interested in what's going on in your life, and then we've all met the opposite, the 80 or 90-year-old man who's had a hard life, but they're, but they're soured on life, and they're bitter, and we tend to be looking at our watch when we're with them. And the point is, the point that I always make is we don't wake up one day and discover we're one or the other. We're taking a step in either direction every day of our lives. So I like to ask the question, what makes the difference between ending up being the old person with the twinkle in their eye or the soured, bitter person? And what does? Well, I believe that there's three primary factors. Um, The first is to realize that that we're called to lifelong growth. The process is never over, even when we consider ourselves all grown up. I I remember being a little kid, probably about six years old, and this is like a very honest observation. I remember looking at my parents and the big people, and I thought to myself, one day I'm going to know what's going on, just like them. And And then I got grown up. And you found out you were one of the big people. 
You were the big people. Right. <laughs> and, and nobody really knows what, what's going on. So, so we need to realize that the process is never over. That's what, what we're talking about when we say life is a journey. And we need to look at um, the understanding of what it means to grow as being a lifelong process from womb to tomb. Okay, but somehow when we get grown up, we, we kind of think that growing and learning is really for children. Now we start taking on our roles, and we start being doctors and lawyers and whatever, teachers. And so, but learning has to be a lifelong process and thought of like that. And the second thing that I think really contributes is if we can somehow learn to remain open to what life, God, and the universe is teaching us in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our suffering. And that's the great challenge, because there's a temptation to just close in on ourselves and block out what, what um, block out other people and what God is teaching to us. And I, I, I just thought it was so interesting that your foundation is called Open to Hope, Mm-hmm. And we named it that because we feel like people lose hope completely, and we're not asking them to have hope, but we want them to open to the idea, yes. And to remain open right. instead of closing in on ourselves, which is, I think, the great challenge. It was so much a challenge um, in my own life. I write about these things, and yet I'm still very much learning many of the things that I write about. Um, it's very easy to talk about things, but then putting them to work in your own life. So one of the great challenges that I see is, is to remain open personally. And I actually wrote a prayer that is born out of my own struggle to, to remain open. And, and I just thought I'd share it with you. It's just very short. Yes, I'd like that. Okay, let us pray. Free me, Lord, from the inner bondage and endless cycle of what I think needs to happen before I can be happy. Free me, Lord, from my idea of the solution. Help me to wait with open-ended, joyful expectation, and help me to experience your peace. Amen. Mm, And I call that prayer with open hands. And I know you have some other wonderful prayers in your book, too, and thoughts. Now, what's your third, third thing? Well, the third factor is if over time we can learn to see life from a larger perspective. Now, this is very interesting. We need to discover in what ways we might still be living as the center of the universe. Interesting, huh? Well, I want to make the observation that as babies, we're all born into this world existing as the center of the universe. And, and it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be like that. And if we have loving parents, um, they reinforce that because they're doting over us and, and they're just, and, and so it's reinforced. Um, but little by little, our being the center of the universe, by rubbing against the world and other people, we eventually figure out we're not the center of the universe. The great coming out in our society would be um, nursery school or kindergarten, where you're thrown into the situation. You leave home, and there you are with other kids, and you've got to share and this and that, and the doting over uh, becomes a lot less. So I like to say that this 
that this is spiritual growth, moving from that center and yet realizing that we are still connected, that there are invisible ties that bind us all together, but this moving out from the center and realizing that you're not the center of the universe. You're a part of the universe. That's part of what I call spiritual growth. Yeah, I love those three ideas. Now, I want to say about this, if I'm out there, I've just lost a spouse. I've just lost a parent who I'm living with all the time. I've just lost a child. My whole life is totally exploded. This life that I made connected, I am suffering. I'm not willing to face the reality that they won't be with me anymore. What it, What do you say to me? What, what, what is your take on this? Why do we suffer so much when that happens? Well, first of all, I don't think there there's anything magic that's going to take away the pain because the pain is supposed to be there, okay? And so I'm not saying that to it's like, what I'm saying is we need to grieve. So the last thing I want to do is give somebody an intellectual um, answer and, and think that that's going to somehow make things better. With that said, though, because we need to grieve, I, I, to grieve, and I don't want to take away somebody's grief, but yet there are things that I feel can be said. And one of the things is that loss always involves losing a role, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, That in some way, I I know myself, the person who I know myself to be is very much identified by the roles that I I perform in my profession. I happen happen to be a chaplain, okay? I'm a husband, I'm a father, all these different roles. And eventually, though, because we're human, sooner or later, whether it's through our own old age, our own illness, the loss of a loved one, those roles are going to be taken away. I might ask myself, say, if I become sick, I'm in the hospital, I can no longer work, I can no longer be a father, at least in the same way that I was, or a husband. You go through this this identity crisis, okay, who am I now that I can't be a chaplain? And, and I'll tell you right now, um, intellectually, I think I'll be fine, okay? But I don't really know until I get there, until I find myself in that situation where the roles are taken away and we're left with just who we are. You know, it's interesting that you say that because we were talking about babies and having something taken away, a role. And, you know, uh, my son was killed in an accident many years ago, and I threw a complete tantrum. I mean, I think it was probably a year-long tantrum. Uh, you know, I think that was part of the suffering. I mean, the screaming, the sighing respirations, you know, all the things that happen when you have something taken away from you that is your role and that you really want more than anything. And we're kind of trained that if you, you know, go for it long enough, you'll get back what you want. And it just doesn't work that way, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and, and I think this, the loss of roles is at least in part what working through the grief process involves. At some point, there needs to be a letting go of the former roles, which is easier said than done, the roles that are no longer possible. And somehow through the grief process, through, through our working through, 
we will eventually, hopefully, reframe our lives and our loss within a larger and more spiritually connected context. And this involves, at some point, surrender to the greater power in life. You know, um, I always make this observation. It was from Oliver Wendell Holmes, um, who lived in the 19th century. He made the observation that the great breakthrough in our spiritual growth that changes everything comes when we finally realize we are not God. Mm. You know, mm. and if I were to ask you or, or the audience, do you think you're God? Most likely the answer is going to be no. Right. But in so many ways, in our attempts to control life, trying beyond reason to make it go the way we think it should. Blaming ourselves. Blaming ourselves, trying to control the reactions of other people. Um, finding fault in just about everything, in many ways we're acting, taking on the role of God. There's a sense in which it can be said that we all walk around like little gods trying to recreate the world in our own image, the way we think it should be. It, well, the way we feel is, quote, fair, you know. Right, right, right. And the thing is that we need to come to a growth is realizing that we can't do that. Um, we can't recreate the world, and we need to, to surrender that um, illusionary control and move from that center of the universe place where we think that where we think we can control life, we, we can control other people, and realize that even though we're not in control, there's someone who is. Yeah, giving up to that, yeah, I think is an important aspect. You know, um, I I really get concerned when I go to the Compassionate Friends. Um, I teach a, a program for them. That's a grief organization for parents. And one of the things that they always ask me to t teach is um, five years and down the road. Because, and I always have a packed class. I mean, there are you know, people who want to give it up now. I mean, they've they've suffered, they've learned from it, they've, they've learned their tantrum or whatever, and they really want to get into that growth and joy and happiness, and it's there for them. And I tell them, you know, it's like having a door with many, many locks on it, and if you can figure out each combination and open it, it takes time, but there's a wonderful life waiting for you out there. So I, th I think the things that you're saying are so important to people, even if they're not ready for it right now. It's there, and that's what we love about the Internet and radio and your book, your wonderful book, because it's all there. And uh, you can find some, um, some great wisdom uh, in this book. Well, Charles, tell us how people can get your book, and uh, do you have a website, and talk a little bit about what you're doing. And Well, the, the simplest way to learn about my books is simply to go on Amazon.com and put in my first and last name, and uh, both of the books will come up. Um, and for those who need to spell my name again, it's Charles Sidoti, S-I-D-O-T-I. And what I'm doing now, I, I'm actually doing um, quite a few presentations here within the Cleveland Clinic um, and beyond. I was invited to give a a presentation at next year's um, annual conference for the National Association of Catholic Chaplains. So I'm very happy to be doing that. That will be coming up in May. 
Well, that's fabulous. And uh, thank you for all the work you're doing and, and for all the help that you've given to people. And thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. It's truly my pleasure. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for listening to the show today. And I think Charles has made some really great points for us that we're called in life to grow and we need to learn to remain open and we need to realize over time that there's a larger perspective. And that surrender to the process is a hard thing to do, but I think Charles and I would both tell you that there is so much great joy and love for you out in that life. And please have a good day and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.